podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host and the site's editor-in-chief, Adam McGee. Well, joining me this week, we have a packed house of staff writers. Um, as usual, we've got Ty Windish and Jordan Tresky. Um, joining us again for the first time in a little while, we have Aaron Edwards. Um, making his podcast debut, we've got Mike Garland. Since our last podcast, we've had real basketball to watch again. Um, I think we're all grateful for that. It may only be pre-season. It might not be the best idea to read too much into it, but I guess over the next the next little while we're going to do a bit of that. Um, to start off, the books the books have lost two games, which has been plenty of positives in there. Um, maybe not some of the positives that people were expecting, but just been nice flashes all the same. Let's begin with let's begin, I suppose, on that front. What for you guys? has been the most pleasant surprise or the biggest positive from what you've seen from the book so far? I think for me it's Damian Inglis. He actually looks like a basketball player as opposed to summer league. So the fact that he's not going to be cut by the end of end of preseason I think is a plus. And Rashad Vaughn's shot looks great. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. And um, uh, that's maybe about it. <laughs> that's really st- stood out to me. <clears throat> Rashad Vaughn, obviously. Great. Amazing. Looked uh, way better than I thought he would, especially from summer league. He wasn't even like he shot okay in summer league, didn't he? It took him a couple games to figure it out, though. Um, it but didn't now look he's like this. yeah, it did not look like like he's making like NBA rhythm threes, not like spot wide open threes. He's making like those. Catching, you got like a second to shoot threes, like the actual threes, which is good. Yeah, I think it's got to be Vaughn. I mean, English has looked good, but I mean, you, you expected him to come out a little better. He's, like we've talked about a bit. Even though he wasn't playing, he started that year around the NBA to sort of get prepared. But seeing Vaughn go from, uh, like Mike was saying, a little shaky in summer league to looking like he has all the confidence and all the ability in the world so far has been amazing. I said to Adam, and a lot of the people are going to hate this, but he looks like Kobe out there because he loves shooting over people. He loves it. He loves the big shots. He loves taking them. And that's, I mean, that's good that the Bucks have that because I don't know if there's anyone else on this team who really has that mindset. Yeah, dude, besides O.J. Mayo, really, is there anyone else yeah. that's got that mindset of just like, I'm going to get my shot. I can score here no matter what. Jabari right. maybe, but we haven't seen enough about him. I feel like with Mayo, he's he sort of he's not active enough anymore to even show 
it's like he wants to be that guy, but you don't get to see it quite as often as you would have in the past. Uh, the books could definitely do with someone who does a little bit more of that. I mean, with Vaughn, for me, the big thing is we all knew from Summer League that he could make shots. It's the fact he's actually making them efficiently. Um, he's he shot 50% overall for the two games. Um, I didn't see that. I was I was concerned that he was just going to choke in Summer League, but we said it a lot at the time. Reading into Summer League is just... Yeah, and it's the, a dark abyss. We're better just ignoring it. This time next year, let's just ignore summer league. Yeah, the I mean the Bucks have a way better. They have a pretty bad history of shooting guards drafting young shooting guards and them coming in and just not knowing how to shoot at all. So John um, Lamb. Yeah, John <laughs> Lamb comes to mind. He is a pretty big. Uh, <laughs> he's a pretty big disappointment. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm glad Rashawn Vaughn's figuring out. And he actually, I went back and watched <clears throat> all the Summer League games because I'm a masochist to name myself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Rashawn Vaughn, he's, he had some good, uh, he actually had some good passes, which is why, Jordan, oh. you weren't here, but I said that Rashad Vaughn was the answer to point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. I hate it. I really hate it. No, I love it. We'll, we'll, get, into, we'll get into that in one second. I just have one question. Was Slava Kraftsov as irritating the second time round as he was the first time round? More, actually. Uh, I, I, you know, it makes sense. That's what I would have thought. Um, why do you see Vaughn as potentially the point guard of the future for this team? Well, I really... First of all, the, the Bucks are going to be... If they're going to win the finals... Like, this is how I look at the Bucks is the... If they're going to win the finals, what has to happen? And obviously Giannis and Jabari, obviously everyone knows, just has to be ridiculously good. And they both have to have the ball in their hands, like, so much. <clears throat> and so does Michael Carter-Williams. And I just don't think he, uh, you can have three guys on the court. And Greg Monroe, because I know that he's probably going to... I don't think he's going to like the role that he's going to end up with in the next couple of years. The thing with that was, I, I definitely felt in Summer League, Vaughn surprised me with how good he was as a ball handler. And he was definitely, he was really assured, he was quite creative with the ball in his hands. Does the whole thing, though, of him liking to shoot, um, and that, that sort of, it seems like his, his, first, his first instinct is to try and shoot over guys. Would that not worry you, though, as the primary ball handler when you do have Yanis and Jabari there as options? Yeah, and he would be coming in as a rookie to them, and they this is what Giannis's third year, so yeah. it's not like he sees as you know, Mike Carter Williams is older than the Giannis and them, and I've seen multiple times last year, and only one time in the preseason this year so far where Giannis will like walk up to MCW as they're dribbling up the court and ask for the ball, and MCW would just like walk past him. Yeah, I think like they. They need a, a non-shoot-first point guard. I mean, I think we've seen in recent history and in long-term history, like, scoring-first point guards don't really win championships like that. You, I, I just want them to get a guy who is going to make every other player better. And I don't know I, if Vaughn will ever get there. I mean, I think you need to have a point guard pedigree to do that. That's my concern with MCW, and I really think that would be a concern with Vaughn. What would be interesting for that this year, though, Ty, is see how the Rockets play out, because obviously Ty Lawson's a much better playmaker, and he's established as a point guard, but he's a guy who's going to want his shots, and he's going to want to try and score in Houston. Like, I yeah. mean, if, if, I think if the Rockets can make it work with Lawson and really make a strong 
a strong push towards a title. Um, maybe get themselves out of the West, although that's that's a tough ask for any team. Um, but if they could do that, I don't think it's. I think anyone could right now. And it, in this age of where three-point shooting is king, it might be just a little bit more important potentially. And to have a guy I, who can score and shoot from there. For me, the guy who's gonna be the player on the court that makes all the people better is gonna be Giannis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I think his skill set has enough and it's diverse enough that it can bring the best out in every everybody around him. Even if he doesn't end up being the best player on the team, which he could well do, I still think he could be that guy who makes everyone better. I think that's that's definitely fair. Um what do you guys think of Jordan, Aaron, what what do you make of Vaughn potentially playing some point guard? I well that was I will say like with Summer League, like you said, I his playmaking ability was really like jumped out at me more so than anything. Because obviously his efficiency wasn't that good coming out of Summer League. But he just has a natural like I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that he's around the same height or not same height, but he's around the same size as the MCW, so you can just think like, well, if he just was put in this role, maybe he could it might work better for him in the long run, but you know, to go to like the the shoot first, like point guard stuff. I think, like we saw at night, or I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't want to go down that way. But I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> it's best to just leave Brandon Knight discussion. Bad answer. It is. <laughs> I mean, is is he ever going to be as good of a scoring point guard as Brandon Knight was? I think potentially he could be. I think he could be better. He's yeah. taller. <laughs> and his he's what eighteen nine. Is he 19 yet? I think he, he just turned 19 in August. Yeah, he turned 19 in August. He's 19, and he's got Jason Kidd to teach him for the next three years. And his shot's already, like, already ready. Mm. Better than Kidd's was at his age. <laughs> better than MCW's is now. <laughs> Probably better than MCW's will ever be, if we're being honest here. Yeah, I mean... One shot, like, 45-38% college. I mean, I, I don't know if we, I don't think we ever see that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If Vaughn doesn't get hurt halfway through, like, how high does he go? That's exactly, yeah. I, I was I was thinking about that, too. He definitely like, goes top wrong. 10? He goes, he probably goes top 10. I know, Tully, maybe you want to tease something that will be yeah, a little I bit think, later I, in the I, week for people to see, to. but you, you have asked this question. Yeah, I um I got an interview with one of his assistant coaches at UNLV, Todd Simon. Ooh, uh, shout out to Todd Simon. He's one of like the coolest, nicest people ever. But um, I asked him that exact question. He said, absolutely. I think he'd definitely go higher than 17 if it wasn't for the injury. I mean, he was trending up. They were taking a lot of calls about him up to that injury. And then he gets hurt, and then the team doesn't make the tournament. He obviously doesn't get to play in the tournament. And we've seen what the tournament can do for guys' yeah. draft stock. Look at Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky does not go nine if they don't make that run last season. So I think definitely if he stays healthy and he has a really good tournament and they even make like the Sweet 16, I I would not be surprised if he goes nine. Especially with the him being 18. Yeah. Yeah, it's a guy who looks like he can score at such a young age. I mean, they're really valuable. And they're guys that teams will go out on a limb for and take a bit of a risk. So. There's, there's, I think there's definitely there's a lot of spots sort of in around the top 10 even, just outside of the top 10. There's quite a bit of uncertainty in this year's draft. The teams could have gone a lot of different ways, and there would have been potential for them to get a look. 
Um, talk a little bit about Inglis. I've been I've been impressed, and I've sort of I've ran away from praising Inglis all summer and getting on the hype train because we had seen absolutely nothing real. I've been um, sitting on this train since day one. Oh, we, we know. I think you're driving the train, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the way I've always felt with Inglis was physically he was a perfect fit for the books. He seemed like he should pan out in the NBA. Just the level of competition he played against prior to coming over was what concerned me. Then the injury obviously adds doubts to that. Summer League, we now know he just wasn't healthy. There was nothing else to it. He wasn't healthy. So I guess the first pleasant surprise with Inglis has been he looks 100% healthy and ready to go. Um, there's not even the slightest sort of inkling of a problem there in terms of his foot. So that that's a real bonus. This has got to be the first year I've watched the fourth quarter. I've watched every fourth quarter of preseason games because English it's, and Vaughn are just out there. It's the it's most like the watched quarter. Part. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Here's a fun English Vaughn fact, just because you just said their names together. Those two are the only two bucks right now to support at least 10 points in each preseason game, which is, it's preseason, but still, that's a little, you'd expect guys like Monroe or Jabari, or not Jabari, seems to be, but uh, Monroe or Middleton to do that. It's, it's surprising that Inglis and Vaughn have been the ones who have scored more than anyone else in the Bucks. I wonder if Middleton and Giannis uh, went out the night before uh, the Detroit Pistons game because... I think they all went out the night. <laughs> right, because Middleton and Giannis were both just... They just wanted to sit as soon as possible. <laughs> or I th- what I think, maybe this is what I think, is that they thought they were like all hyped for their first opener and they thought the crowd was going to be uh, a little better. Yeah, I guess that that could be true. But then if anybody had a right to feel like that, it was probably Monroe. Yeah. I mean, first time in the building as a book against his former team. But, I mean, it's preseason, and you can't... And it was... But it was during a Badger game. You can't... Yeah. You can't ask that much. I, I will I, say... I, I, had a, I had a first-hand account, because I was at the game. Oh. Jordan, you always have these first-hand accounts. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I have a scoop. No, uh... It, I was I was actually I was lucky to go enough to go to the game and I had seats like right behind the Pistons bench, and they treated that game like it was a regular season game. They were not screwed around, and That's it was tough. it was so apparent like even like with the warmups they were I don't know if it was like to get under Monroe skin or something you know just like this Bucks Pistons connection like rivalry or whatever I don't know what it was but they came to play right away and. It, they played. Really <laughs> they were playing for Ursan, man. <laughs> you know what? I, what I think, probably in all seriousness, why that is for the Pistons is Van Gundy just has probably got that team drilled that they can't start slow this year. After they yeah. started last season, they've got yeah. to hit the ground running. Well, uh, yeah, Van Gundy in general is just kind of a, a guy who doesn't take any crap. I mean, he's gonna treat preseason like it's regular season. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of. The other thing is they have, they have sixteen guaranteed guys, at the moment, so they have real sort of scraps for position. It's not like who's playing for the one place. There's a guaranteed guy who's who's got to be moved in some shape or form in Detroit, um. So they they have a lot to play for a lot of those fringe guys there. Mm-hmm. I I think they're buying into the rivalry between these two teams. What the Bucks are, I didn't get yeah. to see the game. You know the the Bucks have been really, uh, the players have been really like searching for rivalries. 
I, I think they found one. I mean, we had the Reggie Jackson <laughs> Wilson thing in this one. Yeah, the Pistons. Yeah, Chris. Fuck Chris Middleton of all of the people are is the pe- person starting all these rivalries. Him and Jimmy Butler going at it. <laughs> well, let's let's actually go through the game. So we'll start with that Bulls game, and I guess the first thing to talk about from that has got to be that Middleton dunk. It the stare down was so out of character. It, it was really more surprising than the dunk. The dunk came out of nowhere. I thought he was going to, like, double pump and just, like, lay it up, and he just dunked it. <laughs> the double pump layup is, like, that is the Chris Middleton move <laughs> in that situation. And then he just, yeah, he completely tried to end Jimmy Butler's world. You could definitely tell that all summer Chris Middleton was thinking about getting destroyed by Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. And, I mean, other than that, I actually I thought in that game... Middleton Middleton looks pretty good, as good as any of the starters could because they were on a pretty tight leash. Um, but he it's showed in the first quarter alone, he showed a nice mixture. I mean, he played some back to the basket. He made a couple of jumpers. His three-point shot was off completely, if I remember right. Um, but there was there was definitely some nice flashes from him and that, which I thought was really encouraging. Um, we'll get to how that maybe changed up a little bit a few days later. But... Overall, what what did you guys take away from the Bulls game? What were your impressions? We uh, I didn't. We ran through the post way more than we did during that scrimmage. <clears throat> Our offense was a lot different from what it was in that scrimmage, <clears throat> and I don't know if maybe that was just because Jabari Parker here hasn't been playing, and we don't want to run it with Giannis at the four. But I don't know. It's been way more... Both preseason games have been way more getting it to Monroe-focused than I would like. That's that's something that's interesting. This is probably the thing that I've taken as the most important question or issue of preseason so far. And this comes into the offense is very much post-oriented rather than any sort of shooting game, which for a summer, which was supposed to be all about adding shooters, is a little bit strange. Do you guys think the books are using these these warm-ups as, I suppose, a training exercise as much as anything else? Like, are we going to see a team that is going to shoot... Let's see, so across the two games, first game against the Bulls, they were 3 for 11 from three-point range. Yeah, Rashad made off. 5 for 16 against the Pistons. And to be honest, it's not the makes that really worries me there because that could just be worse. It's the attempts. What... Were the attempts in the scrimmage? Oh, that's a good question. Do we have scrimmage numbers? I'm googling. I think there are. Like I mean, while while I was googling there, as a comparison, so in the Pistons game, and um, the Bucks went five for sixteen from from three point range. The Pistons went twelve for thirty. So that's that's more than the Bucks shot in both games, and then. And against the Bulls, 13 for 39. So they're playing against teams who have just been absolutely hammering away from deep. And they're not showing much of a response. Does that does that really concern you guys? I mean, there's not obviously there's no there's no real need to, to overreact to anything we're seeing, but there's one thing that I think most fans hope to see a little bit more of from the books this year, and that was deep shooting. Is it just possible that kid is working on other things and, I suppose, looking to see just what he can get out and how he can maximize Monroe 
down low at the moment, or is that something that could carry over into the regular season? I could see it being a training. I mean, look at what he did with Giannis last year, telling him not to shoot and to develop, uh, you know, post and get his percentages up. You know, use use preseason as a way to get get Greg Monroe acclimated to the, the offense, get him some touches, see how that works. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know if we can judge a game where Greg Monroe played his old team as uh, <clears throat> how many post ups he's actually going to be getting. Yeah, that's I suppose that's a fair point too. Jordan, um, it is definitely a little concerning, but I would also. Note that Jason Kidd is very cagey when it comes to showing his cards. Like he's just, he's that kind of dude. He's just very, I don't know, plays very close to the chest kind of thing. I I think we maybe you have to compare the numbers from last year. Obviously, it's a different team, but maybe what they were trying to do preseason. I don't, I don't know, but I guess he's the thing about the like you know three point shooting for Giannis and MCW and the Jabari and stuff like that. He th- throughout trade camp when he talks about like Giannis is shooting or or Carter Williams shooting or Jabari shooting, he doesn't really like signal out like three point shooting. He signals them out as like total packages. Like he wants to round them off on every kind of different you know whether it's mid range or post or whatever it is. He I think he just he's I, I don't know what it is but he just likes to make sure that. It's not, they aren't lacking in one specific area. They he wants to make them well-rounded players, whether that they can't be a, is another thing. But I, I guess that's what he wants to do. When I uh, there's like a saying that everyone says is like the GM is supposed to think long term and the coach is supposed to think like wins or whatever. Like the coach wants to win now. I think Jason Kidd like is thinking like three years down the road with Giannis and. Like, last year, he didn't let Giannis shoot threes for an entire, like, half of a season. Like, he, I don't think he cares at all about these next two years. I don't think he cared, cared about last year, and I don't think he really cares about this year's win total. I think he really just cares about getting the team on the same page and getting everyone to the point where we can actually compete. Yeah, that might come from his, his you know, GM power aspirations and the, the kind of role that he has there in Milwaukee. He has to he has to think that way. He is the GM. Yeah, he's he's the unofficial code GM. Yeah. I mean I'm cool if he's the GM and Hammond's just in charge of scouting. Yeah. Not if he did those summer trades. Except for Vasquez. <sighs> Yeah, so but it, it, it came out that Zaza and Zaza and Dudley both didn't want to be here, <laughs> so like we just got we just moved them. We just like yeah, well, you should have gotten out. something at least from Dallas. You should have gotten something. <sighs> what? Wait, 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 did you you want a player? What what no, player what would you want? An actual second round pick. An actual second round pick would be nice. <laughs> oh, okay. What are you gonna <laughs> use that for? To put it in another trade? Well, I mean, that works. So, I mean, what are you going to use the top 55 protected second rounder for? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, we've talked about this before, but the fact that the league, they look for something of value to, to, to trade um, or to ch- exchange hands in trades, yet they allow top 55 protected picks to be something of value is insane. Why don't they just bring over cash considerations from the MLB? 
No, he's a thousand dollars. What didn't uh, the Nets buy a first round draft pick for like two mil? Like was that two years ago? Yeah, that that is that's and they bought they bought some second round ones and that as well because they weren't gonna have any draft picks and they did, <laughs> they they just Prokhorov took out the the wallet and that sorted that one out. If I was Jason Kidd and I was wanting to be GM and I looked at the Nets uh, assets, I'd be like, get me out of here. There's nothing there. That's that might be the worst franchise outlook across the NBA. I don't think you can find a, a sadder team either now or in five years. I mean, the, the thing, we're, we're getting sidetracked now, but let's do it anyway. Um, the thing with the Nets is Prokhorov isn't even guaranteed to be there for any length of time. I mean, he wants out. So at least they got some of those big contracts moved. I mean... If they were still sitting there with, say, Darren Williams on the books, that would be a little bit more worrying. At least I mean, they set themselves with a bit more flexibility. You know, they have no draft options really, but I mean, at least there's some cap space potentially in the next few years. The problem is, who wants to go there? I mean, I, I don't know anyone. Every team's gonna have cap space. But there's still this is the perfect horrible storm for Brooklyn because every team will have cap space. Twenty-nine teams will have a better future outlook. Than <clears throat> And even if they're really terrible, which they're going to be, they can't draft anyone because they don't have any of their picks. As a market, it's still broken, though. The Bucks have, like, We said that this offseason. The Bucks will have 30 mil in cap space next year, I think it is. I think it's a little bit less now, but it's close close enough. It might have been 20. 20 or 30, I think. 22 is standing out in my head for some reason. I mean, you've got to think, OJ will be off the books, Vasquez will be off the books. Yeah, they'll, they'll need to fill the bench out. That right there is $15 million, though, just those two guys, and that's before the cap raises. Yeah, what's what's the cap going up next year? It's going uh, it's, up. It's minutes. not not confirmed. It's like $90 mil, I think. Yeah, like it's gone up a lot. It's, I think it's 90 some next year and like 100 and some the year after that, and it's supposed to level off. It's, it's going to be crazy, but yeah, it's just... It, that that Brooklyn team is oh, it's bad. Talking about the Nets and talking about things to change hands and trades, this just reminded me. Do any of you know what the Nets took back for Kyle Korver after they drafted him? No idea. <clears throat> this is some grade A NBA trivia here. <laughs> Can you tell us who they traded? Who they traded to? They traded to Chicago. Seventy uh, Sixers. Kyle Corver was a 76er? Yeah, that's where he started out. Oh, wow. It was a copy machine. They traded him for a copy machine. What? Yeah. They, they what? needed a copy machine. Um, more than they thought they needed Kyle Corver, so cash considerations and a copy machine. Can we start trading beer? And cheese? <laughs> uh, we can get a lot. We can get quite a bit. I don't. I don't. It's not. I don't know if a copy machine was like a state export for New Jersey. Um, I well, I mean, they had one. We have beer. We can trade that. So okay. sixteen, seventeen will be sixteen mil below cap space, and seventeen, eighteen will be thirty mil below cap space. <clears throat> that's, that's a lot. And this is a team. Well, that's a lot of it will go to extensions, but I mean. There's there's gonna be really good teams around the league with cap space over the next years. I mean, obviously Miami, Washington, 
are going to open things up in the Kevin Durant chase. If if anyone ever tries to tell me that Hammond is a bad GM, I just tell them to look at how perfect our cap is lined up to sign Giannis and Jabari. Uh, I, I think anyone who says Hammond is a bad GM just hasn't been paying attention for like three to four years now. Yeah. Because even when, when the books were, were bad, you could see the plan in place and you could see them trying to make things happen. Um, it might have taken a bit of time to get there to a point where it started to work, but I mean, Hammond, to his credit, he's always active. Um, he's not, not one to just settle for what he has. Brandon Knight was the perfect example of that. But yeah, no, I think Hammond has definitely proven himself to be a really good GM at this, at this point. Yeah, the uh, Brandon Knight trade is another uh, <clears throat> is another reason that Jason Kidd is a is a sneaky genius. We could have a whole so, trade. We could James Harden trade this thing. We we had that podcast. That was our very first podcast. Yeah, but it's been more time now. It's more interesting now. Yeah, I, I, the one thing I like about it is I went back and was reading articles from like two weeks before the trade with interviews with Jason Kidd where he was like, Brandon's just like really good. He's really coming on strong. He should be an all-star and just like talking him up. <laughs> and I remember people just being like, we're never trading Brandon Knight. We're going to pay him all this money. And then we just traded him. That was me. That I was, was about to say. That was, you <laughs> even did Ty's voice for that. Yeah, that was I had full faith that we were not going to ever pay Brandon Knight, but... I, I still... I mean, if say for example, so if MCW doesn't become the point guard, and if they don't necessarily go and get something that's perceived as good value for that, if if Vaughn say does turn out to be the point guard, I mean, what was that trade other than not paying Brandon Knight? That's true. Which it's really the it'll be the loss of the Lakers pick will be the trade. Yeah, that's that would be that be exactly well, what it was. Well, we got to see if that pick ever even confers in anything. That's the problem with that pick. I think after next year or two years from now, it's second rounders. <laughs> yeah, but where do you think the Lakers end up this year? That's it's what top yeah. five protected, top four protected this year. I was just looking at the pick a couple of days ago. Uh, they're not going to get that then. No, that, that would confer. They're not going to be that bad. Nope, they're not. They have real NBA players. Now. Even, even the corpse of Kobe Bryant starting at 25 years. So who would be our point guard if we had taken if we had taken the pick instead of Brandon Knight? Who would be our point guard right now? Kendall Marshall? Back, I was going to say, do they bring back Kendall Marshall to have him fight for it? I don't know. But if, I mean, realistically, if they don't don't trade him, or they, if they took the, uh, the draft pick from, from the Lakers and gets delayed another year, I mean, does Greg Monroe sign? You know, that puts the rebuild back a whole nother year. Yeah, there's probably there could have been priority on a free agent point guard this summer instead. No, I thought it was the pri- oh well, yeah, there would have been priority on. Oh, so you're saying like instead of Greg Monroe, a free agent point guard? Okay. It could it could have gone well, that way. Now they they mightn't have gone out necessarily for a guy who was I guess. What point guard was a free here. agent? Rajon yeah. Rondo. Yeah, that's true. Well, well even say guys who were traded. I mean, I don't necessarily think he was a good fit, but say Ty Lawson. <laughs> what was the last championship team that, that won with with a rookie point guard or a young point guard besides Celtics with Rondo? 
the fact that it's hard to find missed, sort uh, of Chalmers. Yeah. yeah, but that that barely counts. That the the point guard and shooting guard and small forward and power forward and center was LeBron from those teams. Yeah. He just I mean, did whatever and everything all at the same time. Yeah, it's so easy to find a good veteran point guard. You know, especially if if it looks like you're gonna make a deep championship run. Mm, Jared Bayless says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, Jared Bayless wasn't a guy. That, the Bucks aren't trying to win a championship this year, like Mike said. No, that was a joke. I just I have a quota. I've got to get one of those in every week. Yeah. <laughs> that takes the Jared Bayless box for this week. Um, getting back to, to preseason action. Starting five. Um, obviously, we've seen limited minutes so far. What have you guys... Is there anything to be overly excited about that you weren't expecting? Anything to be worried about? out of those key five guys. We've talked a lot that the real excitement has come from younger guys like Vaughn and Inglis. What about the starting five? What have they shown us so far? Giannis is uh, rebounding from the national team. Has <clears throat> carried over. I saw him, I think it was in the uh, the Pistons game, I saw him reach up and just one-handed just grab it out of the air with just his like right hand. Yeah, I remember that one. He literally plucked the ball clean just, out like, of the air. It. it was awesome. Yeah. I was like, why don't you just do that every time? Yeah. I mean, for Giannis, the re- you're right, the rebounding has translated, and that's, that's a big plus, um, because maybe it hasn't necessarily hasn't necessarily translated in other ways. I mean, that might be a bit unfair. Monroe, in the first game, he didn't play a whole lot, so he's probably still, still as I said, second game, he had eight boards, I think. Um, which was which was pretty good. Aside from that, from Giannis, the shot that we've done a lot of talking about this summer. He's really only taken like five. Yeah, I don't, I don't. This maybe goes back to what we were, what we were talking about earlier, and whether there's an emphasis from kid on not to shoot three pointers at the moment. I th- yeah. I don't think it's an emphasis to not shoot three pointers. I wonder if it's an emphasis to like get Monroe going. Yeah, to do other things. Uh, yeah, just keep it keep it out of Giannis's hands right now because Giannis was running the show in that uh, in that scrimmage. <clears throat> he brought he brought the ball up more than MCW, and these first two games it's been all MCW. Let's talk a bit about MCW um, against. Against the Bulls, wasn't very good. I think it was it the Bulls game where he had three fouls in two minutes. Yeah. And yeah. straight after that, there, there wasn't a whole lot then. He only logged about 15 minutes in total. <clears throat> these both these preseason games have been super called super tight on the Bucks though. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I know is that refs trying to make a name for themselves? Or I wonder if it's like they call it super tight in the preseason so that they'll... Yeah, yeah it's, it's like sort of establishing... Yeah, clean it up for the regular season. They do it in the NFL too, and it's usually like an emphasis. Like they'll call one type of penalties. Like this last NFL preseason was unwatchable because they started calling every single defensive pass interference. And it was literally like... You can find it on almost every play. But the games just took forever. They, they're probably doing that to kind of iron it out and make the games in the regular season less sloppy. Against the Pistons, what did you guys think of MCW? I actually quite liked what I saw. It was one of those games where he was doing his usual driving to the rim quite a lot, but he just seemed to be more aggressive when he got there. 
rather than sort of an aggressive drive and then this lazy sort of languid finish and um, that I don't... sort of resulted in the ball being thrown up in the air. I thought he was a little bit stronger. Not enough to read anything into it, but it was promising if it's a trend that continues. To quote John McLaughlin, he was playing high or playing vertical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. A lot of his finishes, like, last year he would go in and just, like, throw it up, like, from super far down. And this year, just a couple against the Pistons especially, he was way closer to the rim when he shot it, which was good to see. Uh, it was. It was the Pistons game as well where he made a three-pointer. If we're in a rational, let's get carried away three-pointer season, which has been going on for a couple of months <laughs> now. True. Michael Carter-Williams made a three-pointer, so everyone's got that to get excited about. Um, Middleton. It's hard to get a read on this. Um, yeah. I don't know what to do. I, I'm very concerned with taking one three over two games. Like I, We talked about emphasis and stuff like that. I, I don't think the emphasis Now is... that you say that he's now that you say that, I'm convinced that we're doing something uh different than it what must we're be, but it's doing. terrible. It's so terrible to watch Chris Milton not shoot three points. That's, I mean, it's not all he does, but that's what he does really, really well. <laughs> with that. That's why it. you paid him forty four million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you didn't pay him to post up, you didn't pay him to like Come around screens and do that thing where he like falls away and tries to shoot a three. Yeah. You paid him to like stand in the corner and play defense. I mean, yeah. I understand why. I understand why the the books would want to get Monroe touches and get him into a rhythm in, in preseason. <laughs> but is this not the time to try and work on shooting as well? I don't know. I I don't know if. <clears throat> I feel like they've been doing that all practice. Yeah, I think that's fair, but there's we all know there's a big difference from what translates from practice to games. I think Johnny O'Brien's first two preseason games, as opposed to his workout video, <laughs> definite proof of that. Is, is it because the music is missing from the the workout video? I don't know, Aaron. You know, I was so excited by the Johnny O'Brien workout video. <laughs> I was like, this is so real. The, mu- the music, as, as I said before, the music proved there was no cuts in there. He was just making shot after shot. And <laughs> if only NBA players uh, played with those pads. He needs yeah. to go. There is one team. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it the Nets that really overdo the music? There's like music. I think I think it's the Nets DJ who likes to play music throughout the game. Basically, the, wiz- the Wizards are loud. I remember the last time I watched the Wizards game. <clears throat> they basically they've got to they've got to hold Job back until say. A Nets or Wizards game, and then just. Man, you can't forget about Sir Foster, the organist for your. I don't know, if, I don't know if the organ would do for him, but right. I mean, it's just it's, yeah, the team talk for a JLB is just got to be send him to a team that play lots of music and let the rhythm take hold of you. Is it legal? Enough DJ. Sorry. The Bucks still have that in-house DJ that they had last year. Yeah, I think they do. I think so. DJ yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe this is the books have got to shake, change things up for their home games. Then, if I mean, if it's constant music that's going to get Johnny O'Brien firing, it's only one solution. I don't know if we should be making any decisions based on Johnny O'Brien's preferences. We gotta, we gotta keep Johnny O'Brien happy. Never forget the workout video, Mike. If we can get that guy, I mean, anything's worth it. 
Should I mean, we put did you see up, the MCW workout video? Yeah, I was going to say, should we put plastic bags on the walls? He's <laughs> used to this. I mean, let's do whatever it takes. Yeah, MCW walks out to the court and walks up to the ref. Can we put this bag over the ball quick? I mean, all those things. I mean, let's scrap the alternate court and let's use the money that was, that was put to the alternate court. Let's modify just the Bradley Center for J-O-B, for MCW. Oh, man, that alternate court, people freaking freaked out about that. That was hilarious. Oh, did you see the open letter from uh, from that alderman? Uh, oh, that Lord. open letter was something special. <laughs> and then it turned it, out, it turned out it was all funded by... A... It's all paid for by the team, yeah. I think it was the same guy during the city council meeting that said, I don't know how many bars are here. I, I don't know who's all drinking this beer. Like He was like so like out of his like element. It was so yeah. weird. Well, aren't, aren't they decent in court, too? <laughs> but, you know, the arena's already approved, so we don't ever have to talk about it ever again. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that, that's maybe... Next to the book staying in Milwaukee, that's the next best part about that whole thing, that we don't have to talk with Urien anymore. Right, every time someone asks me about it, I'm like, it's approved, I don't care. <laughs> well, 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 the designs aren't out yet. Okay. The, they approved the money, so it's going to get done. Yeah, I don't think there's anything too major to worry about there anymore, which is definitely a nice change. Uh, in terms of, terms of the roster itself, we had two two cuts that weren't really surprising at all. Um, I guess what was more surprising for me, we had Charlie Westbrook and John Horford were waived. I really don't understand why John Horford was brought to camp at all. They should have at least kept him the whole time. So I mean, it just looks bad now. Do they get Do they get paid? They do get paid, yeah. That's probably why he was brought to camp. I mean, in the game itself, I think Horford played five minutes and contributed absolutely right. nothing. Not one major stat category. Yeah, but he might have like played one-on-one -on -one against Jabari for two hours, and that was worth it. I don't know. I don't hey, know. hey, to his credit, though, he did make a half-court shot through the scrimmage, so, you know. Yeah. It was yeah, why don't, he why earned don't you that cash. Off? He got the crowd excited at the scrimmage. Why don't you back <laughs> off? He made a half court shot. <laughs> okay. He, he's, he's completely immune now. That's what the half court shot does. So <laughs> talking about the talking about the roster, is JLB making it? I think so. Yeah, he's, he's only owed like what is it, like seven hundred thousand. He's definitely making it. Well, who who beats it out? Jorge Gutierrez. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who do you want? Who do you want, Jorge or him? I I take Job just not to have five point guards. I think Jorge is better though, honestly. <laughs> Jorge is actually a contributor. Yeah, so, but you can find fifteen better point guards, and it still doesn't make any sense for the roster. I can find like two hundred better NBA players. That's than true. <laughs> is Josh Paul still on the roster? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand how I he wasn't one of them. Do they just make him an assistant by the end of training camp? How's that going to work? I'd rather they did it now so we didn't have to watch him play anymore, but I, that's got to be the angle they're working. He's played 10 minutes. He has two assists, two turnovers, two personal fouls, and a missed shot. <laughs> that's, that's his stats. 
Oh, three fouls. It's better than yeah. I do. I mean, at least he passes. Yeah, that's that's like seven assists per 36. Maybe they'll keep him around to be the point guard. In terms of cuts, I mean, so we've got four games left in preseason, ten days in total. Oh, nice. Are you expecting more, we'll say, possibly Wednesday? I don't think... Do we? Do you think we cut anyone before the like final time we have to cut people? Josh I, I could see I could see Powell going before that. I mean, He should have been the first. He's left unguaranteed. It's Gutierrez, Powell, and... And Mark Slandry. Yeah. I bet they yeah, keep Landry around to the end. I don't think they'll sign him. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll stay to the final day. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Landry and O'Brien for that last last seat, I think. I'm still getting the feeling that the books are really trying hard to make it work with Marcus Landry and find a spot for him. I've talked about this before. There's just been so many sort of weird coincidences from them not listing any other non-guaranteed player on the website all summer. Mm-hmm. As the well, team yeah. no other player profile, just Marcus Landry. There's a Twitter account called Bring Marcus Landry. Oh, uh, it's just fan serious. It's uh, super popular. We are aware of the Twitter account. <laughs> I, I mean, the Twitter account did some really good work. In fairness to them, I mean, they they actually achieved their goal. Um, yep, that's true. I get Those tagged are... on Twitter in about two to three of their photos every day. So <laughs> I, I'm aware of the Twitter accounts. There, there was actually that was one thing that was kind of cool through that. It was basically like a blowout at that point. But when he came in and I think he had a three pointer, like another layup or something like that. The place it felt like there was like it was ha- like more than how many people were there. Like they, there was like two separate fan sections and they went nuts. It was actually pretty cool when that happened. But what did you guys cool. think of the fan section actually? Because that was something that it was probably because there weren't that many people there. It really stood out on TV. Um, what are what are your thoughts on it? I mean, uh, obviously, they're excited to be there. They're getting ready for the season, too, but well, for they the were, season, it was a little bit... They were doing tryouts. And for the yeah, tryouts, it was a tryout. That is, that is good. Like over the top. And if you want to know a secret about the fan squad, last oh, year they did tryouts, and I didn't do any of the tryouts. <clears throat> I didn't go to the tryouts, because the tryouts, you guys saw everyone in the tryouts. It's like over the top. And by like halfway through the season, they're like begging people to come. So, I think they're they're really trying hard to rebrand that this year. I yeah, it's, they, it's and it's it's a common thing around the NBA now. So, I it's not sort of. I I wish they would have just kept the original name, the Andrew Bogut name. What was what was the original name? Wasn't it Squad Six? Was Andrew Bogut's right? Okay, that yeah, is all right. That sounds right. There was it Sector 7 for Ursa? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but Squad 6 was like the original one, and Andrew Bogut was one of the first people to actually do that. Squad 6 works as well, because I know a lot of teams around the league, they refer to like the whole sixth man fan thing. Sector 7 works pretty yeah. well, too. You know what it is this year? Yeah, it's, I, don't City Clash, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. They asked about the they asked about it that name on Real GM like two months ago, and everyone was like, "This is an awful name." And they just <laughs> went with it anyways. I mean, if even if they want to go Cream City, I what makes you go Clash? Clash is how we need to finish that. Cream City Clash. 
they made a post about it being what a herd of deer is called, and I was like, no, that's called a herd. <laughs> that's so bad. I, I go to UW Oshkosh, and that's our mascot's name. He's like a big, like weird-looking guy in a suit, and that's all I think about every time I hear it. Uh, I just think of, is Clash the Titan going to be there? Because if not, I'm not going. I, I liked Cream City. I wish we would have gone with Cream City jerseys over... That might be the Don't get me years. wrong. I like the Fear the Deer jersey, but... Thank you. <laughs> Cream City jerseys are like way better. <laughs> it, it is, it's growing on me, too. I'll admit it. The Fear the Deer? Yeah. It's not growing on me. <laughs> You guys don't like him? Oh my god. It looks, it no, looks it's, nice just, it's just me, Mike, to be fair. It's, it's just me. I, I, I said growing. I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Adam. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Adam. Thanks. I don't. I, I love I like. Him. I mean, I, I like it more than the court. What? I love the court. What's wrong the with court, the court? What's wrong with the court? I mean, we did this last week. I'm worried about where this will go now. Um, <laughs> Part two. We'll 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 move on. I mean, I don't. I, I don't so, J O B or Jorge Gutierrez? Who are you picking? J O B for me. I would say J O B. J O B or Landry? What do we think? Oh, J O B for me. I would say Landry. I would take Gutierrez over. Yeah, I, I'm taking Gutierrez over all three, all two. Of those guys. Not only because he is better, but he is also Jason Kidd's best friend. Yeah, he is. He is that. And the other thing about Gutierrez, yeah, he's he's better. And can we just like let's just get rid of Jared Bayless and make him a coach like he wants to be. Like even even if they can't trade him, even if they cut him, like he really can't. Jared Bayless wants he to be like a, Jared Bayless wants to be like the athletic trainer. Like when I see him in his like wind pants, that's all I can think of. It's like he's out there like stretching guys out. I mean, this is another okay, so if we're getting music for for J O B. <laughs> it's gonna be plastic bags for MCW. Will Jared will Jared Bayless shoot better in warm ups? <clears throat> yeah, he is gonna wear uh, pants. Mm. <laughs> is it, I'll, I'm gonna <laughs> and Giannis doesn't have to tuck his jersey in. Isn't it ironic that his name is Bayless and it rhymes with Payless shoe source? I mean, I don't know. That's a bad that's a bad joke. That was sorry. very I think, I think that's <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> That's, but by your standards, Jordan, I mean, it's disappointing. Sometimes you got to force it. Yeah, you definitely did. Uh, <laughs> the game's ahead. So, Tuesday night, we've got the Cavs um, in Quicken and Loans Arena on NBA TV. In the queue. Then, Saturday night, it's the Wizards in the Bradley Center. And that game... Might not be on TV at all. I'm guessing we're going to get a Jumbotron League Pass feed. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how... Uh, you know, that that Jumbotron feed last year wasn't on League Pass. It was just, like, an illegal stream feed. I wonder who how that gets out there. It's funny. Last year there was... I can't remember the opponent, but I, I remember watching a Hawks game that in preseason wasn't the Jumbotron feed. It, it literally seemed like a guy, say, set a camera down, just left there. The camera didn't move. So when the play went to either end of the court, it was a struggle to see it. There was no commentary. You didn't put the radio feed over it. I was like, wow, this is, this is special. So I was thinking, I don't know about you guys, but on, on League Pass here in Ireland, 
they were flagging up that game as the main featured game that night. So all day I was like, it's saying no TV everywhere, but there's got to be some sort of feed. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, well, in the end it worked out okay. I mean, hopefully we at least get that again for the Wizards game. Makes you wonder if there's, like, owners who aren't at the game that want to watch on that. <laughs> Definitely plausible. Um, these two games, what are we feeling? It doesn't matter if the books are 0-4 through preseason come out of this, or no. do we just say no. it's preseason, it literally doesn't matter? Record does not matter. It's You should go by quarter. That's how I go. I feel record doesn't matter, but there is a point where it's probably nice to start building some momentum, just so you don't feel like you're going in completely cold to the first game. Yeah. Like, I I, if, they, if, they lose, if they lose to the Cavs, that's okay, and maybe if they lose to the Wizards, but if that's the case and they've lost the first four, it would sort of be nice to win the last two against the Timberwolves. I, uh, I just went by and found what the record would be if we went by quarter, and it's 2-5-1. and one. Just in case anyone was wondering, two five and one through eight quarters. Look at that. That's advanced stats. That was fast work time. I'm impressed. I had the box scores up. It was right there. So <laughs> I was doing quick math. I was adding things up. <laughs> I take okay. I take coming at him all over. <laughs> what are we thinking? Cavs game. What I are you looking see to see? More Giannis. More Giannis ball handler. I'd love to see point guard Rashad, but I don't think I'll ever see that. No. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. No, I was done. No Grievous in the first unit. I don't think that's going to work. That was, <clears throat> that was the one thing I think that really stood out to me the other night. I cannot, I don't want to see Bayless Mayo backcourt. I think they need Vasquez in the second unit. Oh, I, can we talk about the Pistons? That Pistons game when Mayo, Henson, Bayless was in, and it went from like being down ten to being down like twenty five. Yeah, that, is that, that is lineup that got you tweeting during that game, Mike. And it wasn't even it wasn't even like <laughs> the offense was just like passed around the top of the key lazily, and like John Henson turnover. It's just so static. It's just there's no. Right, and if Bayless isn't hitting like that elbow jumper, he doesn't know how to play basketball. It's so funny to see him frustrated because he does the same thing every time. He just dribbles so hard and leans on his head, and it always ends up being a turnover. Like it's just like he's not. It's not good. It's so bad. It was really bad. I think next year we need to get some of these games against these like international teams so we can actually like make sure we get at least one win just for some confidence. Yeah. Like these games are all blowout. How are we not playing like the Greek national team? Or... I mean, the Celtics are, are like exclusively playing in Europe. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're boot camping in Europe for the NBA season. I bet they beat the Cavs. Their their lineup right now with the guys they're wrestling is pretty terrible. Who the Celtics? No, the Cavs. Is uh, I saw yeah, something that is love, is love going to be available? Yeah, well, I, I the Cavs are alive right now. They're playing right now, aren't they? I thought he said he was... Right I thought... Maybe I could be wrong, but I thought I saw something that he could be available for the preseason. I have their, their box score from four days ago, which is the last game I could find on ESPN. They started Mo Williams, Matt Deli, 
James Jones, Richard Jenner, Richard Jefferson, and Sasha Khan. So oh, I think the Bucks excited for this win. That that's ugly. I think I don't think the Bucks lose that game. Yeah. So when we say that winning preseason games doesn't really matter, I mean if they lose to that team. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see more Giannis bring the ball up the court, and I want to see more ball handling from Rashad Vaughn. Those are the two things I want to see. And I just want to see more Damian Inglis in general because he's so good. What about the rest of you guys? I want to see threes. I know this, we're talking about focuses and all that, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting concerned. I like reading in the preseason. I don't know what it's there for if not to irrationally overreact to things. And if this is a team that's going to take like 10 threes a game, I'm worried after three games, especially if Chris Middleton's 0 for 1 through two games in, 30, in 40 minutes of, of play time. That's, that's a, a worrying sign. I want to see him splash a couple threes. I'd like to see more aggressiveness from Middleton. I thought Pistons, actually, I will say Pistons did a really good job shutting it down. And it kind of, it definitely like screwed up with his rhythm. And I think for him to look good, I think he has to establish himself right away. Whether that, if he makes a shot or not, if just start establishing yourself with good looks, and I think that will help him more so. The thing with that is, though, I mean, he's talked about not wanting to be a first option. And if the team aren't going to shoot three-pointers, I mean, I don't know where he's going to get his shots then. Because if he doesn't want to take it upon himself and he's not going to get sort of three-point plays drawn up for him, there's not going to be a whole lot there for Middleton. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd like to see... I'd like to see a bit more of the starters in general. I'd like to see them sort of, not in any major way, but to slowly just sort of increase their their minutes. And that's the logical thing. I'm sure that's going to happen, but I, I, I hope that they do that. Um, I'd like to see, if it's not with the first unit, I'd still like to see a little bit more of Vasquez. Um, I, I just don't really feel like we've got any look at how he could fit in or what he will be with the books. He's a player I was excited about all summer. Um, I'd just like to see a little bit more. The other thing, and I don't know if this will be a possibility, I know he's missed missed the first two games due to personal reasons. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see Chris Copeland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that would be something nice to see if he came in and he made some shots that then you've got guys like Copeland or maybe even Inglis that could play the four. Um, definitely play the tree, but possibly go small ball, play the four and stretch the floor. Um, so there are things I'd like to see from that one. Then Saturday's game, the Wizards. And um, for me, for this one, I want to see, we, we talk about MCW a lot of the time in terms of defense. I want to see him go up against John Wall. Mm. And that's one. Let's, let's put it to the test and let's see, well, on both ends of the floor, what he's been doing all summer, make sure his defense is still as good as it's often advertised, and put him against one of the best two-way point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an, the other thing with that game. We talked a bit about it in our Southeast preview a few weeks back. I'm not a fan of their front court options at all, and that's one where I'd like to see, say, Monroe, <coughs> if it's Giannis at the four, I'd like to see them try to make a bit of a mark on that Wizards front court. 
What about you guys? Anything matchup wise you'd like to see out of that game or I would like to see Giannis if Giannis is at the four, I'd like to see him just take it to the or whatever. <clears throat> or whoever is gonna guard him between those guys. It's probably gonna be Chris Humphreys. <laughs> yeah. Which that sound that sounds like a lot of highlights. I mean that sounds like fun. Right? Giannis can take him off the dribble. Oh, yeah. yeah, just just maybe. I feel like he doesn't do that enough. Like I, that's the one thing I wish Giannis had was I wish he was more more of a ball hog. If he had that, uh, Rashad Vaughn's confidence. Right. Exactly. That's why Rashad Vaughn is gonna be the best box player. <laughs> I don't know. I'd I'd love to see Middleton uh, put Beal on a poster like he did did Butler. I think. We could see a little bit more out of him going up against, um, you know, a real two-way shooting guard. What if, what if Middleton is just like the reluctant superstar? Like he doesn't ever want to be the number one option, but he just turns out to be uh, just so good. He might be just one more um, stare down dunk. I mean, if he dunks all over Bale, another stare down, start <laughs> right. another rivalry. on everyone. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> if he if he keeps doing that, I mean. He's not gonna be, not gonna be able to stay away from being a first option for too much longer, um, because if there's one thing that will get you more possessions, it's staring down opponents. I really, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm just really excited to see Jabari because I think having Jabari in the lineup and having Middleton at the two, and Giannis at the three changes, like so much that I don't know. All yeah, of these it's a completely different actually. dynamic, isn't it? When you see Anis, yeah. whether it's three or four, and how him and Jabari might interchange at times, so it just completely changes up how the books are going to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like pick and rolls with Giannis and Jabari, it's like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, where's the win in that situation? Um, let's move on to the mailbag. Mailbag. Uh, Shout out to our listeners this week. Because last week, I reached out, I asked for, for people to contribute mailbag questions. I said, don't worry, don't wait for it to be, don't wait for it to be Monday and send them in. Send them in whenever you feel like it. So little did I realize how much harder this made it for me to go and gather all the questions together when it actually came to podcast time. Um, but I've had questions tweeted days ago, people DMing me with questions, people asking Tweeting at me asking how to send questions. Uh, <laughs> That's so awesome. we've we've all got there in the end um, and got some good questions this week. So we'll start off with fire through these pretty quickly. Um, first up we have at rare underscore monkey. Ooh, love it. Who are the first five players traded this year? I think we might skip past that one because that's some crystal ball stuff. <laughs> Uh, will the books make a trade? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're really convinced? Uh, I mean, what what sort of timeline are we talking about? Uh, deadline. Mm-hmm. Okay. John Hammond's favorite time of year. I yeah, I think some some expiring at the deadline. <laughs> if you're gonna ask me, is John Hammond gonna make a move at the deadline? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you yes. <laughs> uh, I could see yeah, Bayless but... or Mayo if um. If we don't play Jabari from the starter, which is possible, and we start Mayo, which it might, we might start Vaughn, and then this plan 
backfires. But if we start Mayo and he plays well, when we get Jabari back, we could theoretically try to move him at the deadline. I mean, let's live the dream. Like, let's let's not just trade one of Bayless. Let's, let's trade the trifecta Bayo, Mayo, Bayless, Henson. Let's trade all of them. We're not going to trade Henson yet. Um, yeah, does, the, does, the, does the new contract make it easier to trade Henson? Because it's a pretty friendly challenge. Right, right. Yeah, because he's tied in, so right. teams can feel secure. I think it does in a year or two. Maybe not right in now. Two in two in years. In two years? Yeah, it's so front-loaded. Yeah, exactly. After two years, it'll be like a three-year, a three year $30 million deal in the higher cap, which will be like nothing. Yeah, but see, so I in don't two know. years, it'll be really easy to trade him. I don't think teams are that concerned about the amounts of money anymore, which sounds crazy, yeah, but I think I that's the reality. I don't think they're worried about it. I think they are if they, if they have to go after guys like Kevin Durant this offseason, which teams are going to try to do. I don't. I don't think the team's gone after Kevin. Kevin Durant, Durant to the box. You heard it here first. Kevin Durant to the box. I'm not. I'm not supporting or denying that theory. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks are looking like I think they will, where they're like, like a fourth or fifth seed in the East, probably not a real contender, and they sell uh, uh, an overperforming Vasquez to a contender that needs a point guard. I can Either see for depth or for injuries. Yes, I could absolutely see that. Because we, <laughs> that would we know explain why we paid good. so much. Yeah. I, I think they can I think Hammond can flip him for more than he paid for him. Because point guards that can score and especially that can shoot threes are valuable like we talked about before. <laughs> what would you look for in we return? Like for this um someone you can re sign or a draft pick probably. A forward, maybe. <laughs> that really narrows it down. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Vasquez is he either has a great yeah, season. Adam would never trade with Vasquez. Uh, got, yeah, I'm going to go on record. Uh, my, my Grievous Vasquez yeah. jersey is ordered, so I'm completely against this idea. I'm yeah. buying into Vasquez is there long term. I don't uh, buy jerseys for, uh, for like secondary players anymore because the last four I've bought have gotten traded that season. So. <laughs> I'm going with Giannis and Jabari for the rest of my life. But just don't do it. Just don't touch any of those players. I mean, buy a buy a Jared Bayless jersey. I have a Sam Congado jersey. That's amazing. That is amazing. I didn't. I, mean, know you could I think it. for if if we're talking about Vasquez and trade value, I think this is a tough one because he either has a really good season and his value is high, and the books shouldn't really be looking to trade him if they want to make some noise in the playoffs, or... I don't think the Bucks want to make noise in the playoffs. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't think the I don't think Jason Kidd and John Hammond care if the Bucks make noise in the playoffs this year. I just, I find it hard to buy into their their vision being that far out. I, I understand not seeing it as this season, but do you not think that they really want to make progress this season, or see progress? I, the, you can see progress without... Hemorrhaging your future by re-signing Vasquez. I I mean, does does a late first round pick turn into anything better than Vasquez? I mean, based on John Hammond, it probably could. If we look moving, at what he's done with mid and late, moving Vasquez to make room for Vaughn. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant or Vaughn. Let, let's hear this because I wanna I wanna hear Mike's. Uh, books team that has Vaughn playing point guard 
who's shooting guard then if, if Durant arrives? Middleton, obviously. Oh, okay. if Durant's on the if team? If Durant's on the team. Oh, if Durant's on the team, we're going to Rashad Vaughn, Chris Middleton, Kevin Durant, Jabari Parker, Giannis Adetokounmpo. Greg Monroe's the sixth man, oh, or we just trade him? No, we trade Greg Monroe. Okay. Would, would you trade Giannis for Kevin Durant right now? Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's no thought. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. I would. I'll, you Kevin should Durant. go. Can you go watch some Kevin Durant highlight videos for just a minute and then come back and talk? I I'll still do it. I mean, the only the only thing that would cause me any hesitation is his health. No, the only thing that would cause me hesitation if it was like two years from now. Because then Giannis would be good, and we wouldn't have. Then this would be a discussion. There's, there's no, there's I no hope, I hope so. I love that way of thinking. I'm just. If, if Oklahoma misses, if they miss the playoffs, I mean, is that is that a legitimate uh, trade option? If Oklahoma City misses the playoffs. If Oklahoma City misses the playoffs, they're probably gonna lose their team. Yeah, I was gonna say if Oklahoma City misses the playoffs, Seattle might finally get their team. Back. <laughs> if, if Oklahoma City misses the playoffs, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are both injured. If they're not, they're leaving. Yeah, if they're, if they're not injured, like Billy Donovan's the worst coach ever. I don't That's even what know. Happened. I don't even know what would happen. Like, I can't even process how bad Kevin Durant would have to play. To be honest, even if they are injured, I I still think that would make Durant leave. Like yeah. Kevin Durant, could, yeah, I think so too. Actually, I don't think he leaves at all. I think he stays in Oklahoma City. Really? I think I think he'd rather play with John Wall than Russell Westbrook. Yeah. That's, that's I my call. So. I, I I think he would be. Did you watch? Did you watch his? Uh, did you watch his like off-season documentary from last last off-season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah he, him and Russell Westbrook were like, they seem like pretty good friends. Well, yeah, of course they I do. Don't, I think that's just going to leave before they do. That never, ha- almost never happens. It happened with Ennis Cancer, but he's terrible. He's a terrible human being. It usually just never ever happens. Like they just leave. Everyone says they love it there until they get a bigger contract or a better situation or a tax-free state, and then they're gone. You, you said time. you said Ennis Cantor, so that's that's basically our cue to move on to the next question. I guess. <laughs> wait, wait, time out. Before we move to the next question, I just want to say that Kevin Durant did say that Giannis was a soldier and he would love to be out there and play with him. He's coming to Milwaukee. That, that was that was Kevin Durant's quote. I remember that. It was his quote after we Giannis's rookie season, the first time we played. When That's Giannis had that insane block in Oklahoma City. Remember that? So Where he like came from I mean, the three point line need to and get like trending on Twitter now. Then it's just what we go yeah. with. Hashtag Giannis to MKE. No hashtag KD to MKE. Or sorry, yeah, that oh. would that would make a lot more sense. That's MKDE. Let's just put it all together. Next question. This one comes from at EP underscore Hansen. Um, I've listened to many book season previews, and everyone says Jabari isn't a good shooter. Why is this the broad view? Because um, people are dumb, and they haven't seen him play in a really long time. And he was drafted as a power forward, so people just assume he probably can't shoot. I think the second part of that is in people not having seen him play. I don't think for a long time, but is even necessary there. 25 games in the NBA isn't enough to sell people. 
But the fact yeah. is, he actually he showed some flashes of good mid-range shooting. I think the reason people say that, people now talk about shooting, and shooting means three-point shooting. Who is saying that Jabari Parker is not good at shooting? Because they are wrong. Quite a lot of... I, I don't think I've seen many things saying that he's a good shooter. I mean, you can't you can't talk about his NBA three-point shooting. He took 16 shots. Yeah. If that's... Yeah. You guys say that the, the Reggie Jackson thing is a small sample size. That's a small sample size. That feels like shots. another word that should move us on to the next question. <laughs> we should have like a bingo card for when yeah, I mean, these that's references right. get... <laughs> Our podcast is going to become a drinking game at this stage. It'll be like every time... <laughs> Dewey Dukin? Uh, Reggie or... Jackson. Oh, don't say Dewey oh, Dukin. <laughs> um, real thing, real thing, real, real number. From 10 to 16 feet, Jabari shot 43 in the NBA last year for what it's worth, which is decent. Not what was bad. His, what was his December? His uh, December field goal percentage was 60% or something ridiculous like that. He was uh, he was starting to be. He was he was he was killing it when he. Yeah, yeah. he was he was starting to look really good. <laughs> like uh, he was starting to be every time he like took like a mid range jumper. It was gonna go in. Yeah, I I think that's the mainstream view because he wasn't around long enough and sort of I guess a wider NBA audience wasn't wa- weren't watching a whole lot of books in that time. Yeah, that so was pe- uh, people are just reaching for that and they're like he's not a good shooter and that's the end of it. I it's too early to make a call either way, but I think if you have to lean one way or the other, he showed he showed a nice stroke, he showed a bit of range. If he's healthy, I think he'd build on that this year. The only person who shot I'm shot I'm worried about developing is my Carter Williams's. <clears throat> Giannis and Jabari will figure it out. Yeah, I think even Giannis' mid-range game last year. Yeah, towards the end is a comfort. I mean, yeah, to, there was there was flashes there that you go, okay, it's there somewhere inside, and then what he showed at Greece. MCW is the one who I don't think there is anything like that really to base it off. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing for Giannis is, I mean, he took almost 123s his rookie year and made 34.7%. I mean, he, he had a bad year and he stopped shooting last year, but there's, like, evidence of him being able to shoot NBA threes at least at least around, you know, acceptable range. Like, 34 yeah, and, is not bad. And a lot of the, the videos, um, the Greek gym videos, there's a lot of moves that he makes and shots that he makes that if he made those in the NBA he would be uh, he'd be amazing like pull up threes and behind the back step backs and it's ridiculous he just needs that confidence <laughs> yeah that's I think the thing is that's a big leap for him to get there but hopefully the books find a way to fill him with that confidence maybe they need to just, I don't know, make him spend some time with OJ Mayo and Rashad Vaughn and see what happens. Scary thought, that. Um, next one question. Thing I, need, I, need to see more, I need to see more FU3s this year. Like, the only one making FU3s is OJ Mayo, and I'm very disappointed about that. We right, need I, more of that. Just I need more, people jacking. I need yeah, more. I need, I, I need, you know what I need? I need Brandon Jennings. Brandon Knight. <laughs> Brandon Knight did it, too. Yeah, but Brandon Jennings was the king of, like, 10 feet behind the three-point line. I don't even care. What? Kai, please please don't say that, that OJ Mayo is our heat check guy. 
He has no. been. And so I don't know. Shot. I don't know if we should be. I don't know if we want more heat checks. I want more heat checks from Chris Middleton. I want Chris Middleton to just dribble down and just stink face somebody and then make a three. And then no, no play. dribble down and shoot. No dribble. That's just that's just Bayless and Mayo. That's yeah. That's what that yeah, but they're flashbacks. bad. They're like, bad. They're yeah, shooting shooting like that is always bad. Yeah, it's just it's not something. I mean, get up the court, smooth the ball, get the ball to Giannis. Really, I'm not saying every possession, but you guys are underselling the. Emotional impact of FU threes. You're you're speaking like a true Kobe Bryant fan. Larry <laughs> uh, Bird originated it, kind of. We can't all play like Stephon Curry. We've no, but one person. I think it's Rashad Vaughn. It's, it's definitely. <laughs> yeah, Rashad, the point guard Rashad Vaughn will be <laughs> good at that. <laughs> Next question um, comes from at pencil two two nine two. Yeah. Back from vacation. Yeah, back from vacation. It's been a couple of weeks. He says back from holidays. Much, much apologies. I don't really know if it's an acceptable excuse. Um, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm happy with that. I mean, you can tweet on vacation. It doesn't take much. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you put our poor start to preseason down to? Um, in the Central Division predict- predictions, you had us beating the Pistons and Bulls comfortably. I guess the way I'd put this is: Do you guys think? It doesn't really have any bearing, does it? The way the books play against either of those teams now. No, especially in the first few games. I mean, yeah, I'd be more worried if they lose back to the Timberwolves. I would be more worried if Giannis was getting like thirty minutes and we we're still getting hammered. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing for me is with these preseason games, it's especially important, is that a lot of other teams, the Pistons, sort of, and the Bulls to a pretty good degree. They're playing rotation guys the whole game, whereas the Bucks gave a lot more minutes to guys who might not even end up on the roster. Yeah, like, and I mean... We're, we're playing Josh Powell. We're playing Marcus Landry. We're playing Miles Plumley a lot, J.O.B. a lot. Like, the Bulls especially, because they just don't have people. Like, they only played mostly rotation guys for a lot of the game. Same thing with the Pistons. I mean, their starters played more than the Bucks did. They, they, their, their fringe players didn't play as much for them. And we're, we were, we started this podcast talking so much about Vaughn and Inglis, and they're really the only reason we're talking about so much about them are they're the only players that we've gotten extended looks at. And I think that's really what Kid and the coaching staff has used these first few games. Like, in the Pistons game, it was obvious when the starters were out there that they were just trying to let Greg Monroe go to town on Andre Drummond. Like, every time down, we were trying to force-feed it to him. That's why we had so many turnovers. We were, It was so obvious we were just giving it to Monroe. And then Rashad Vaughn and Inglis just played, like, what? They each played, like, 28 minutes, something ridiculous like that. And that's I, that's what I really think they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out if they can use those two players as rotational guys and they don't have to rely on Bayless and... Mayo and Copeland as much if Inglis and Vaughn are actually players. Those two guys I will, play the time. I will throw this out there. Bold prediction. Here Rashad, we go. Vaughn, Rashad Vaughn starts opening night. <clears throat> yeah, I can, I, I, I can get by. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what they did for the, for the preseason game, right? I mean, well, yeah, yeah, Giannis is going to be suspended anyway, so you have to yeah, think about that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I hadn't thought of that, but I actually like that idea. 
Thank you. It keeps keeps Vasquez <laughs> in the second unit then as well, which is the other thing that you want. Yeah, so what it's gonna go Rashad Vaughn, Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, John Henson, Greg Monroe. Oh no. Good. They might not have Jabari for that game. There's reports out <laughs> No Mike's Mike's just trying to make Rashad Vaughn point guard and open it up. <laughs> no, 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 Jabari will play. I'm inclined to agree with that, but if the one Jabari could play say, right now if he wanted to. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the case too. But say if Inglis keeps playing like he has been. Oh, I like this. Inglis at point guard. <laughs> next question, next question. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from at man underscore two no. Um, it's, I suppose, a little bit similar to the first one in some ways, but is the book's roster basically set? Are we going to see any more big pieces come into this? Big pieces? Yeah. I don't think point guard's set. A rotational big man, maybe, for one of those point guards. Yeah, to replace John Henson. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think point guard's set. I think two through five is set until Monroe's contract is up. Mm-hmm. The starters are. I think we're still looking for a real backup four at this point. I think they're sort of not still looking for real backups across all five positions. Like, I mean, this is something we'll find out as the season goes on. But with Henson, I'm still inclined to think it was more just good business to re-sign him. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so too. I I don't think it was a game. I don't think it's a guarantee he's staying for his whole contract. I think it was, it was just like if we extend you right now, do you know how much cheaper you're going to be in two years? Yeah, I mean, I, like the books have, if that is the case, they've worked hard to make it not come across like that with all the talk of him being one of the core guys. I'm <laughs> that's just uh, trying to buy into that right now. Yeah, the one thing I've actually been thinking a lot about this is how much Jason Kidd plays the media and how much he uh, will put out how good someone is even though... He's really thinking something else. Like you saw it with Knight, and I think we've seen it, we're seeing it with Henson as well. And I think we saw that we're seeing that with the post-up talk in that Zach Lowe piece, where he, where Jason Kidd was talking about how he doesn't want the post-up to die and how the post-up is underutilized and how it's great. And then he's just posted up these first two games. But the when Jabari was in there in the fan game, you can watch it on Bucks.com, I think, still. Uh, I th- I'm, I'm sure they still link. Yeah, if you want, go watch that game and watch the offense they ran with like Giannis running and a lot more motion. Um, I think they're, that's what they're gonna run in the real regular season. And so yeah, I don't think you should take what kid you should take what kid says in the media with a giant grain of salt. Speaking of how Jason Kidd plays the media. Oh no. no. Jason Kidd back out. There have been some updates in JasonKidd.com. Oh, no. Uh, My favorite website. It's not allowed. It's nothing to get too excited about. Basically, just like any blog like us is going to do recaps of games, so is JasonKidd.com. It just involves a lot of speaking about Jason Kidd in the third person, such as Jason used a short 10-man rotation. Um, Let me see. What else have we got? Jason was happy with the UNLV product's debut. Jason was also impressed with the Milwaukee debut of Monroe. 
It's a lot of nothing. There's there's nothing really important here. We'll come back next week. Who's filling it out? Every game. Who do you think's filling it out? Do you think Jason Kidd writes it? Oh no no, we found the guy. Um, there's multiple there's multiple writers. Yeah this but no they, there, they did there actually is I mean, this has got to be the ultimate aspiration for all of us as books bloggers. It's not Jason Kidd though, right? It's not Jason Kidd. No, I, I really hope <laughs> I it's not really Jason Kidd. He's ghostwriting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd be surprised if Jason <laughs> Kidd was writing these pieces talking about himself in the third person. It's possible. Um, our last question comes from at Alex underscore Koenig 23 When Yanis and Jabari reach their primes, what are their realistic ceilings? I don't know if I should be answering this question. I think this question was made for you to answer, Mike. <laughs> uh, Jabari is... I don't know, Paul Pierce 2.0, really. You can see him... I mean, from just the jumpers he makes, just the way he plays the game, how smooth he plays, reminds me a lot of Paul Pierce and even Mello, if... Uh, Jabari's feeling crazy. Giannis is different, though. If Giannis, like, reaches his full potential, he's just, like, the best player to ever play the game. Yeah, I, um, I would say for Jabari, I think ceiling is, like I said, Paul Pierce 2.0. I think floor is Glenn Robinson 2.0. Yeah. And I think realistically somewhere in between, I think, yeah, uh, for Giannis, ceiling, I mean, what, like a slightly less score-happy Kevin Durant, and then floor Nick Batum? Yeah, I think Giannis is already... Giannis is... Yeah, I can see him there. Um, Jordan? Oh, okay, I thought Tyler was going to go. Um, no, go ahead. Yeah, Jabari Pierce, <clears throat> Melo... Uh, probably, I'm trying to think of this. Probably gonna be a little someone else too. Um, but Giannis. Oh man, I want to say ceiling. KG. Hmm. Uh, realistically. Uh, I I think I see Sean Marion in this dude. I I just see peak Sean Marion. Oh. Just more, but at seven foot, not six six or whatever Marion was, and without a terrible looking shot. Um, I guess ceiling for Jabari. Um, I guess like Pierce, uh, kind of a a, a multiple time All Star. Is the way a lot of people put it, and I agree with that. I, I don't think he's ever in the you know greatest ever played the position category. He's not quite Tim Duncan or, or that kind of guy. Um, I could see Paul Pierce though, um, who's I don't know. Paul Pierce is really really good too. It's not like it's a knock. Um, for Giannis, if we if we have to do a player, I could maybe see like Magic Johnson, just in that there's no one like him. Like when Magic played, there was no one like around how he played. He was a Six nine point guard who could pretty much do everything. 
Um, that's absolute ceiling of Giannis would probably be around there. Um, floor, yeah, probably like Nick Batum, which is weird because I don't I don't even know what Nick Batum's ceiling is because he's still finding his NBA game. He's only 26, but somewhere around that kind of a thing, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to say quick, Giannis. <clears throat> yeah, he's one of those. He's like Magic, where it's like. If you if he's at his peak in the NBA, he'll be playing like he was playing in those grainy Greek videos where he just knew he was better than everyone. <laughs> and if you go watch those videos, if he played like that in the NBA, it would be ridiculous. Like he just gets whatever he wants in those videos and I when I watched that like back when we first drafted him, I was so pumped cuz he looks like he looks like he knows, he just like knows the game. And if he can figure out how to play like that in the NBA, he'll be he will be a unique player. This is the sort of question that my mind wrestles with. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to opt out of this question, but I can't bring myself to compare Jabari to Paul Pierce or to compare Yanis to any of those guys, I mean, to Magic or KG or... Well, he said prime ceiling. Like <laughs> yeah, best... I'm... yeah, he said... I know, but prime ceiling, to say prime ceiling is Magic, top. that's like... Well, he, it's a young player. I mean, you yeah, he's... Lot, guys develop. Have you I mean, watched? Prime... I, yeah, I don't see that as a ceiling. I really don't. It's impossible that Giannis is that good. I think it's it's highly improbable, and that's the part where my brain is trying to fight me right now. I think he'd be really, really good. We've been through this so many times. I just right now, like that sort of level of guy, I don't see at all. He he has all the physical tools to be a generational player, but he's got areas where he has to. He still has to work on his skills. But we mentioned it in this podcast. The biggest part for Yanis, and it remains to be seen, is whether he can make the major jump in confidence to believe in himself and allow himself to get to the places where he can potentially reach. Yeah. That's the thing for me, and it's it's how the books find a way to try and bring that out in them. Because, like, Nick Batum, Sean Marion, those sort of comparisons, they're there. I mean, Yanis can sort of... He can just sort of effortlessly be those guys. That's his bread and butter. I just... I'm still not convinced that they're going to find a way to motivate him to get beyond that. It's not that Yanis lacks motivation, but he needs someone to drive him in the right direction in how he believes in himself. And that's that's the problem I have with any sort of Yanis projections right now. It's not about his well, game. You, it's about the the overall package. Don't you think, though, like, that's because... Um, I think Mike is one of these guys, or a promoter of this... I think no one really knows what his true position is. Like he could be a center. I'm not saying what he is now, what he looks like now as a center. I'm just saying like when he's a fully developed person, like he's only 20. When he's 24, he can look like a center. And they're trying. Maybe obviously he's just so athletic that they want to try to put him out of the wing. But it would not be surprising to me if they eventually put him at center or a power forward, a more power forward traditional kind of thing. I think yeah. part of that's on him as well, though. I mean, that's that's something, and I'm I'm a big advocate of this. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, um, but personality sort of factors in in a really big way for me when when I look at, at players. And mm -hmm. for Yanis, I feel 
he's too accommodating and there's something which is nearly indecisive about him and that comes across in his play still and we put that down to him being a young player and that that's definitely a factor in it. I just hope that that isn't some sort of personality trait that is going to be sort of overarching throughout his career and that is just down to him being a young player still finding his feet and trying to grow in confidence as he goes along. Yeah. Hey, a question. Just a, just a belabor a point. In three years, could you see Ceiling Giannis averaging 16, 10, and 8.5 per 36? I think he would average... <clears throat> my hope would be that he would be averaging more points than that. Well, that's what Magic Johnson averaged per 36 when he was 23. I think, I think the... So that was, that was 10 assists in Magic's case, was it? Yeah. I mean, I could see Giannis, I could see him at 16 points. I'd, I'd hope, like Mike, that he'd be beyond that, but there's probably still some work to be done to get there. I mean, rebounds, double digits, I think that's not going to be a problem for Giannis. I, don't, I think Giannis could get the 10 assists a game, but I don't think he will. I don't think that's in the book's best interest. I mean, yeah. you can flip the numbers if you want. I just don't think he doesn't get the ball. I don't think he gets the ball enough to get ten assists that much, which I, I have a problem with. I think he should be getting the ball enough. I bet he could do he like average twenty, ten, and ten. Like I, I think he should be getting the ball. We should just be handing the keys to him and Jabari and not be running what we've been running in pieces. If he if he gets the ball that much, he'll probably average 20, 10, 10, and 10 with turnovers. That's the problem with that. I'm I don't okay know. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would take the turnovers. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, this is averaging 20, 10, 10, 10. I'm, I'm fine with that. He can f***ing turn the ball over as much as he wants if he's dropping 20 points in 10 assists. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that one. I don't know. I think there's so much... There's so much left in Giannis that's just it's it's undecided to me, and I think it's on him as much as anything else because all the pot- potential is there from he has the ability, and um, it's just on whatever way he can I guess, shape, shape his mindset going forward. That's why I would stay away from betting on any Bucks season this year or next year because it's all on if Giannis figures it out. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that and I'd say this year and next year and every year on from that into the future. I mean, this team could be an incredible team that wins multiple championships or they could never really get to that place. Yeah, or they could just never figure it out and we just rebuild again. Somebody well, say ready. something else because that's a depressing note for us to finish. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. <laughs> oh, we're at the crossroads. I uh, think. But let's bring back Rashad Vaughn, point guard. I mean, that's... that's yeah. Okay. Rashad Vaughn, point guard, Damian Inglis, sixth man of the year, at, uh, finals MVP. <laughs> Damian Inglis uh, wins the finals because we go to Giannis at the five. We take out Greg Monroe and put Giannis at the five and put Damian Inglis at the three. And that wins us the finals, and that's why Damon Inglis wins the finals MVP. And so now you guys can go to bed happy. Mike, I think you're officially the voice of most of the books fans I follow on Twitter. Um, Mike, how do you feel about Spencer Hawes? Oh, God. That's, that's, <laughs> another, that's another word. That's, I mean, that's take a drink. That's Spencer Hawes. <laughs> um, that'll pretty much do it for this week. Um, thanks very much for listening. Make sure to check out 
all the articles we have coming on the site um, over the next few days. I mean, today, today being Monday, and um, we posted in our interview with Marks Johnson. Um, as Ty teased earlier, he spoke to Rashad Vaughn's assistant coach from college, Todd Simon. That will come up later in the week too. We'll have plenty of other good stuff. All our player previews will continue. And we'll have more books games to talk about. So in the meantime, make sure to check all that out. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. And we'll be back next week. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. See you guys.